welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland preview show. For the first time potentially in the history of the club, I'm probably wrong with that, I haven't checked the stats, we are yet again playing on a Friday as we welcome Hull City to the Stadium of Light. And as you'll now be well um, now be well aware, sorry, any ideas of the show ending was very much an April Fool's joke, so we are back as always to preview the game with help from an opposition fan in the shape of a returning guest and from to Hull and back. And um, be looking forward to this, mate. Looking forward to seeing you. Are you all right? I am. I'm fine. How are you? I not bad, mate. Not too bad. I've had a full on day, but uh, all the better for seeing you, mate. It's nice to catch up. Uh, Sunland Hall, 12th versus 17th. Look, I'm having a hard job selling this. I'm not going to lie. Um, but let's try. We're at the stage of the season where I think this is one for the purists, isn't it? I think it's safe to say Sunland, as a Sunland fan, I feel pretty safe. And I also think the playoffs are probably unlikely unless we're going a mad run. You're nine points clear of the relegation zone. How's Hull at present? Yeah, I, I I think it's a few people were worried because we've only won one in the last nine or something like that, and thinking we might get dragged back into it. But I just think that the the amount of teams below us that would need to pick up consistent points, and then for us to lose however many games, I just don't think we'll get pulled into it. Like you say, I just think this. I think unfortunately both of our seasons are over, aren't they? So hopefully now it's a time where they can you know maybe take the foot off the gas and and play like they've got nothing to lose. So. We might hopefully see some entertaining games, um, not some boring nil-nils like I think we both had on the weekend. <laughs> we did. I was going to say, we had a nil-nil, you had a nil-nil. Um, people who will be checking Google, like I sometimes do, without looking fully in-depth, we'll see it was a, a 10-man Rotherham, but he did get sent off very late on. But yeah. I looked through the stats, I watched a couple of the highlights. I wasn't watching the full 90 minutes, which I, I very rarely do, but... Um, Look at like a game that you largely dominated from possession and chances. Uh, how was the performance? It was, you know, the, the story of our season has been we're, we're a very, I think Rosini has said this himself, we're a very nearly team. Mm. Like we've got, we found that defensive solidity, we found that organization, um, we've, we, we found that means to be hard to beat, um, but we just cannot, for the life of us, find any ruthlessness or cutting edge in the final third. And that's just been a... It was mostly down to the amount of injuries we've had all, all year, you know, mostly to important players. Like Aaron Connolly came in, looked very good, got injured. Benjamin Tete came back from a long injury, got injured. It's just been one of those seasons where we've had no momentum, no consistency in terms of the starting eleven, And I think it's just showed in an attacking sense. And um, the Rotherham game was just another another example. Like we say, we, we were never really largely threatened by Rotherham at all. I don't think they had a shot on target all game. We had, I think it was 60, 68% possession, something like that. And we just could not find uh, the back of the net. Um, I think we, we didn't have any natural striker on the pitch. That was probably a contributing factor. Um, but it's just, it's always that final pass. Uh, we seem to get it into a decent position. And then we either, you know, can't find the pat that the teammate needed to put it in, or it does reach them, and then they end up skying it. So very frustrating game, especially considering it was our largest attendance, league attendance since I think the Premier League days in about six or seven years or something like that. So um, yeah, it was it was disappointing, but you know, a bit reflective of of where we are in the season, really. We'll get further into obviously the form, but I didn't want to touch on that there because you mentioned it about the the attendance. I follow a fair few Hull fans on both my personal and, and this page, and I've seen that you had like a really packed up stadium. Um, there's always a reason for that, be it like a big day where you've planned something, or there's always a good run of form, or just a feel-good factor where you want to want to back the club. You're not in the greatest run of form, so we will go into that in a minute, but why was the attendance so high? Was there anything special on or are fans just having a, 
a feeling where they want to go back and they're enjoying the game again after a couple of a difficult years under you know ownership, which I know things have happened since weren't perfect for a long time for certain reasons. Yeah, so our average attendance throughout this season has been something like sixteen, seventeen thousand, um, which is a lot more than last year, uh, which was like eight or nine thousand, something like that. Um, obviously, like we say, a change of ownership brought a lot of the fans back, I think, and then obviously generous ticket prices for the memberships and things like that um, has really helped. But the Rotherham game, I think, was just a case of it was discounted tickets. It was fifteen quid for an adult ticket, uh, and you could bring a kid for a pound. So he's just he's he's what he's trying to do is. With these games, he wants to bring fans back and show them what you know. What the, the, these fans who maybe used to attend City and have found something else to do on a weekend, it was to try and give them a a, a glimpse or a, or a kickstart of you know this is what you used to do. So come back to it, kind of thing. And whenever we tend to do that, um, we did it. I think against Barnsley last season as well, similar position to Rotherham where they were fighting relegation. We always churn out an awful performance. We bring loads of fans back, and it's like, yeah, come on, get back into City, and then. <laughs> Um, we just we just don't don't deliver, and then people have kind of reminded uh, why they don't sit in the cold and watch us. Um, but no, it's like we say, times are tough out there financially for everybody, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and it's I think for us especially in a city where a, a large part of the fan base probably you know are a bit fair weather. They only come really when we play when we're playing well, um, which I think a lot of clubs will probably say the same. Um, a game like that was just literally discounted tickets, trying to get everybody back in. And and to be fair, the the you didn't expect to, uh, the amount of uh, tickets to be sold as they were. Personally, I thought we might hit twenty k, but I think we got twenty three and a half. Um, so it's promising. Um, and and I think if if you know the longer this season goes on, hopefully we we find some form towards the end of the season to try and obviously blow some of those back for next year and and hopefully a top ten push. I had a few Hull fans on the show and we had obviously on earlier in the season yourself and, and it's one thing I've never really asked and I don't know if people listening are going to care about this but I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, Sunderland are a, a, a one-club city. Uh, we have a massive fan base and realistically I've always felt like the, the biggest thing in Sunderland is is the football club. That's not really the case in, in Hull. Obviously, it's probably potentially the, the rugby clubs that are in there, the rugby league clubs. It's very much a rugby league city. My dad's a rugby league fan. He, Hull Kingston Rovers is a club he'll go and, go and watch. How difficult is that for like owners, not just previously, like of the past, to try and get people to go and watch a, a championship team that's relatively mid-table or a league one team, as you were not so long ago, like we were, as opposed to going to see some really good rugby league teams? Has that always been a challenge over the years? Um, I think it's fluctuated because... Um... I think with Hull FC in the early noughties when they were, you know, in the nineties where they were a bit more successful, um, they obviously had quite large attendances. And then um, Hull KR have, 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 have kind of always been more the more family oriented club. They were, um, you know, the, the, it's the east and west divide into it with the rugby rugby teams. Um, with City, it's it's a case of I just think we've suffered um, with 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 poor owners in throughout our history where we've we've you know been playing in the basement of English football for for uh, quite a bit of time and we've had more successful neighbours like Leeds and Sheffield clubs and places like that so in terms of growing up and stuff like in school um you know I was one of the very few Hull City fans that were about like everyone else would support Man United or Liverpool we we, we struggle with like I say these fair weather fans that that decide they only support City when we're a Premier League side because they want to go watch Steve Gerrard play on the MKM pitch so <laughs> it's it, it's always been a tough thing, but we you know we've got a good core loyal fan base. I mean, we're not we're not a huge club, and I don't think we pretend to be. Um, we we probably I think when when we moved to the 
the MKM in, in 2002 from Boothbury. Um, you know, we were probably the largest followed club in that league. I think we were hitting between 18 to 20k every week in League Two, which was which was very good. And that that level of attendance sort of stuck throughout. And then obviously we get we had more attend the more success we got, which is to be expected. And I think now we're just sort of returning to our usual average um, following. So it's it. I don't think the rugby has too much impact on the football. I mean, it might do. I've never really looked into it that much. I just think that, um, especially with us playing on different days, I know a lot sometimes the rugby team plays um, early in the day and then City don't kick off till later and you see people will actually attend both in the same day. So I don't think he actually has that much impact. Um, like I say, I think a few of the rugby fans, uh, the, the, there's, there's some weird divide. Uh, there's a lot of the rugby fans don't actually like City for some reason. It's really bizarre. Um, but I'll not get into that because I don't really want to give it any energy. It's just weird. But um, yeah, I don't, it's just we're, we're, with us being so out of the sticks and, and, and not obviously winning any major trophies or anything like that, I think it's hindered us, obviously, for people who would rather be, you know, your glory supporters. And, and we were a very fashionable club to support, are we? No comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rugby shite. Um, I'm sure it's all right sometimes when you're joking. Uh, not my sport, though. Um, no. I neither. No, nah, not for me. Um, three draws in four games. They other been a defeat to Burnley. Fair enough. I know we got a draw last week, but well, Burnley are pretty good. Um, so says the league table. But in most of those games, I think aside from maybe the the one of the three, like we touched on before, the Rotherham game, bulk of the possession, sort of bulk of the chances, more shots on target. Stats are in your favour. Stats don't win football. But you mentioned before about you know maybe having nothing up front. Have Hull had an issue, especially over the past few weeks, with killing games off because of that? You mentioned a, a lack of striker. That's something that Sunderland fans will definitely be feeling at the minute because all of ours are injured. So are you having similar issues with killing games off? It's not necessarily the play outside of the box. Yeah, uh, it's a mixture of, of of us not being able to score more than one goal, which always means the opposition is still in the game because then if they equalise, you, you've lost your three points, on you? And uh, individual errors, um, which has just plagued the season at the back. Um it's happened a lot less under Rosinia than it did under Avaladzi. Um, but it's just, you know, like the, my mind goes to the Coventry game, just for an example, you know. Esther Pinion, we, we were quite under the cosh after Tete went off injured. It threw our game plan out the window a bit in the first half and we were under the cosh, but then come out second half and, and Oscar puts a, a shot into the top bins and, you know, you, you've got a lead to hold on to. And we're usually quite good at holding on to leads. And then, like we say, switch off at the back for a moment and, and the other team are back in it 1-1 and, and we struggle to then score another goal and if, if you're a side that struggles to score goals you're going to be a side that, that, that doesn't win often enough and I think the, the problem is is because of how well Rosinia started there's been a bit more expectation now as to us to go on and try and really kick on because at one point we were within touching distance of the top six and you know it kind of just faltered because we stopped winning um, but we we seem to forget. I mean, we've got short memories. Under Avaladzi, we were leaking goals like a sieve and couldn't score at all. So, you know, his his biggest challenge was to come in and turn what was the worst defence in the league into something that's, you know, the complete opposite, which he has done. I think we've got something like the fourth or fifth best defence in the league since Rosini has taken over. Um, you know, a majority of his games have been draws, but under those, they would have been lost. Uh, under Shotter Avaladzi, those would have been defeats. So, you know, they're all extra points that we've got in that sense. And 
we've got now a, a, a solid base to build on, especially for next season where, you know, hopefully he can bring in some of the players he wants to bring in in summer. Um, Cause he's, 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 he's basically inherited somebody else's squad and trying to incorporate his style of play into that. Um, you know, we, we're playing with a clear identity, a way of playing, you know, possession based play out from the back. Um, be patient kind of with it. You know, the fans tend to get a little bit frustrated with playing out from the back, you know, why we're tapping it around the box kind of thing, get it forwards. But, you know, you, you, like we say, we now know what the team are aiming to do. And I don't know if he has the squad of players that are able to do that, um, despite him trying to stamp, obviously, that style on the squad. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I say, we're, we're not really losing games. I think we've only lost five times since November, um, considering we lost something like, I think, eight on the bounce or something to him coming in. It's it is frustrating not being able to hold on to leads or, you know, maybe score that extra goal every now and again. I, I I'd imagine you could look back at our recent run of results and if we'd have scored at least one goal in maybe four or five of those games, we're in the top ten. So it's really frustrating um sometimes when you think about it. But like I say, it's better than losing every week, I suppose. What did I ask you about Rosinho? Because Last time we spoke, I think it was only four games or something that he played. Um, we just came back from the World Cup as well, so you'd had him in charge for maybe a bit longer, I think, if I remember rightly, but there wasn't that many games that were played. Um, but the early signs were positive. You've sort of alluded to that as well. And I think I think I asked you last time why Hull fans were so um, happy or, or content with it because he was effectively an untried manager. And, you know, you give a few reasons for that. There's been a number of months that passed now. You spoke relatively positively about him there. So... Apart from the, the frustrations you mentioned, how, how has he fared since? I think he's done great. And I don't think you'll find, apart from a very, very um, minority of the fan base, I don't think you'll find many City fans that, that are, uh, are you know, upset with, with how he started. I think we share his frustrations in the sense of, you know, how, how injury-wrecked our season's been, how, you know, how... He must be ragging his hair out. Um, how he's just not had some of his best players um, available every week and able to actually showcase what he wants to do. Um, and because you know you can sort of sense there's a little bit of frustration. You know, fans are wanting to be wanting to see us be a bit more attacking, a bit more progressive, score more goals. And he's got his hands tied because um, you know some of our best attacking players are currently injured. So um, despite him, you know, maybe dipping into a few more players in the January window, which I don't think the owner was ever going to do after the amount he signed in, in summer. Um, you know, it's 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 been largely positive. And I think, like I say, at least now we've got a clear identity and we know what the club are wanting to do. Um, you can you can fully see what um, he wants us to be like. He, he, he wants us, you know, his, his dream model is obviously not maybe to their standard, but he wants us to play like Burnley where we press high and we look, we, we take control of the game in possession wise and just create a lot of chances. Um, but I do think that we need to give him a window or two so he can bring in the players that he, he thinks can fit this system that are fitter, because I do think that fitness has been a, a real issue with this squad. I think a lot of the overseas players, especially that we've signed have struggled with the physicality and the, and the intensity of the championship, which has led to the amount of injuries that we've had. Um, and it's it's just one of those where we've got to hope that next year we really, you know, see what 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 he's planning for us to do, and we we just kind of want the season to end now. I think that's the problem. We've got so many games left, and we haven't really got anything to play for, and we've got no players to use. Um, so City fans, yeah, we're optimistic about him and his future with us. Uh, I think next season we're we're going to see a a different side. 
Um, already one with the foundations there ready. Um, we just need to improve in the attacking sense, and we, we're pretty much the finished article. In terms of recent form, it's an interesting one. So I normally go the past five games, but I've kind of done it slightly differently. So I've gone the past ten. So only two wins in the last ten, mm. but only three defeats in the last ten. Um, I know you can't speak for a fan base, but uh, in your opinion, glass half empty or glass half full? Uh, I'm just putting glass half full. I think, um, but, but you're but you're spilling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like similar to what I've just said. It's like yeah. we, 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 it's like we say, we're now hard to beat, which is good. Um, and, and, you know, teams are really having to work hard to beat us. And, and it's just, you know, if we were a bit more ruthless in front of goal, if, you know, the players had a bit more um, cutthroat about them, if, if we punished other teams' mistakes like teams do to us, um, you know, we'd be in a completely different conversation here saying, you know, why how have Hull managed to get themselves into a playoff chase? But because of that, lack of cutting edge in front of goal you know our season's effectively over and it's 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 largely been through you know things that are out of our control out of Rosinia's control um just just it, it, this will just be a re- recurring thing just the injury list is so stupid this season that we've just never been able to really see what this squad's actually capable of um but the amount of teams we've played, the difficulty of some of the teams we've played, I mean, some of the defeats are to teams we expect to lose to, like your Burnleys and your Sheffield Uniteds. Um, and we're starting to, you know, get points and results from teams that we should be. Um, but like we say, just that extra goal in a game changes everything for us and we just can't seem to find it at the minute. I don't think we scored more than one goal for something like, two, I think it's eight games. Um, it's just you know it's it's been a really tough end to the season after you know such a promising start from Rosinia and um, I think we all share his like I say share his frustrations uh, and can see in the in, in the recent games that the system is working that the the, the possession based style does work we've got the defenders that are comfortable on the ball to do it we brought in Carl Darlow on loan who's who's great with the ball at his feet I think he actually nutmegged the Rotherham player on the weekend. Um, it's you know we've we've got that foundation there. It's just the top half of the pitch. We just can't seem to to, to nail down any consistency. I just clicked onto that. You've got Carl Dollar and Goal Avenue. He's a mag. Yeah, he's us. Yeah, oh. he's on loan from Newcastle. Yeah, brilliant. I'm looking forward to seeing him on Friday. <laughs> Remember that, everyone. If you are listening, yeah, yeah, um, sure he'll get an earful. I think he'll get a welcome. Um, Largely, your home form has actually been fine. I think if you're going on the last sort of six games, yeah, you can go over the whole season, but let's go by the, the last six home games. You're actually 10th in the form table, which is like no no bother really for home form. But away from home, a little bit different, if if not drastically terrible. I think you're 17th over the last six games, but mm. you've only got three goals. You've alluded to that, zero wins. You've sort of alluded to that as well. Um a whole different proposition away from home as opposed to at home, or is that just coincidence that the results have fell that way? Because, I mean, let's be honest, the league, anyone can beat anyone at this point. Yeah, no, we're really, really strange in this. And this has gone back till um, last season too. We're either really good at home and really bad away or vice versa. There's no middle ground. So before Christmas, we were... You know, I think we went on something like an eight or nine unbeaten run away from home, but couldn't buy a win at home to save our life. And then, you know, it swapped. Now we can't win away, and we think I think we've got five clean sheets out of the last six at home. So it's really bizarre because if we could, you know, nail down both of them, <laughs> like again, different season we're talking about, but 
we, we just can't seem to crack being one or the other. It's, it's it's really bizarre. But no, I mean, away from home, I think we, we, we've we've played some, we've got one of, I think, if not the most difficult running um, of, of, of sides that are left in the championship. I think in an average position, we play something like, you know, pretty much the top half for the, for the remainder of the season. Um, so, you know, we've had tough games away from home. The thing is, we haven't lost that many, so we can take pride in that. Like uh, you know, a couple of goals here and there again, and 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 it's different. But um, no, we do seem you know to uh, the Sunderland game is another one where you know it's going to be another really tough one. It's going to be a big crowd. It's going to be um, a, a team that that that's going to be well up for it, and and it's it's going to be another one where we probably happily take a point. Um, but at this point of the season, it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, much rather be playing you at home at the minute, like I say, we don't seem to be conceding at home. I don't know if 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 the change in 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 atmosphere or something like that's added to you know maybe the lads being a bit more secure in defence, but we tend to have a mistake or two in us away from home at the minute. Um, I think the red the Reading game especially definitely should have been a win. Uh, we were comfortably in charge of the, all that game, went one nil up, and then um, two of our players decided to just collide with each other in the box and let Andy Carroll smash it home. So, you know, and then there, there goes your three points. The only chance they had all game, they, they put in the back of the net because teams punish our mistakes, but we don't do the same to them. So, um, as solid as our defence has been, you know, all it takes for us at the minute is just one individual error and, and we, we tend to, lo- to lose, you know, that, that those three points. But any particular players that are sort of on current form doing quite well, you touched on the mag in goal, um, <laughs> which you will therefore thus be referred to as. But... Um, Obviously, when we played you last time, I think because of the form you were on, Ross Stewart was back and we'll go further into that game soon. I felt quite confident, but I felt like Hull were, and don't take this in the wrong way, surprisingly not that bad. Um, mm. I thought you played quite well, but who, who's the players that currently inform that if you're going to actually come to Stadium Light and get a point or, or win the game, who's the most likely to kind of do the damage? Um, at the minute, so we signed Adama Traore. I believe he was actually our first signing of the summer. Um, and we signed him already injured um, and was out for we what we expected for the vast majority of the season. Made his debut, I think, about a month ago off the bench against Bristol. Um, but he he was a player that once cost AS Monaco 15 million euros. He's got Champions League experience. So he was one of these that we were really excited to see. Uh, and since he's come into the side, I think he's you know been at least in the running for or won player of the match in every game. Uh, he's a very creative um, number 10-ish player likes to get up in behind the striker he's got a keen eye for a passing behind goal like you know the, I don't, you'd have probably seen on the highlights his pass for Longman that he should have put away in the first half against Rotherham that's the kind of player he is he likes to break the lines and, and, and really ask questions of the defenders so he's one definitely to keep an eye out on because he just oozes class at the minute um, he's very good our, our centre-back pairing of McLaughlin and Jones have been absolutely amazing since they've been well, since Mac has been reinstated into the team, they've been keeping Jacob Greaves out of the side, um, which is a tough ask because he's arguably our best defender and he's currently sat on the bench at the minute or playing left back um, above Callum Elder. So he, he kind of does that Dan Ben role quite well. Um, but yeah, he's been playing quite well. Um, another one would be obviously Seri is just, he, he just, he does what he does, controls games in the middle, sits deep, deep line playmaker spreads, you know, he's very comfortable in position uh, possession. Helps turn the ball from defence to attack, um, but after, I do believe Oscar is back for the Sunderland game. I, I'm sure he was back in training either yesterday or today. 
Um, so he should be starting. And obviously he is our top scorer. I think he's on 13 goals. Scored a, Finally scored from outside the box against Coventry up in the top bins. It was usually a tap-in that he scores. But that's the type of striker that we've been missing for a long time. So... Yeah, hopefully it'd be him and Adama Traore definitely are danger men at the minute. Two fans been coming off the bench and doing really well as well. So, uh, but other than that, we we uh, we're, we're kind of just a, a point in the season where everyone looks like they're on the beach. So I think these have got a point to prove. Funny you mentioned there when you said Adama Traore, they actually really panicked and thought you meant Adama Traore. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, yeah, Malian midfielder, not baby oil, baby oil covered wolves winger. Yes, vastly different people. Um, <laughs> vastly different people. But um, obviously, I said before, we're going to the game. And, and last time we played you, obviously, we went down to 10 men. And it was kind of a funny game. Like, just after Christmas, I think we were probably slightly the favourites based on our form. It didn't happen. We brought on Ross Stewart. We played better with 10 men. But I was looking at our side, five of our squad that were part of that team have now had season-ending injuries. So it's mm. kind of a vastly different team. And... And one doesn't play for us anymore, uh, which is Ellis Sims. So perhaps yeah. it's like a mute question, but we're kind of at the point in the season now where like, I hope not, don't get me wrong, I hope we're going a really good run and get the playoffs out of nowhere, but it feels like we're going to be safe and fine. But it's always quite interesting to see what other championship clubs have made of our team. So even if it's one of the injured players, who were the players that sort of impressed you most in the reverse game? Um, Obviously, Ross Stewart, when he came on, um, Took his goal really well. I don't know why our goalkeeper made it easier for him <laughs> by doing like a five-star jump in the air um, and then letting it slot him underneath him. But uh, Ross Stewart is undoubtedly one of the best strikers in the league. Isn't he? And I do think you'd have been in top six if he'd have been fit all season or at least challenging for the top six uh, at this point. Um, I think you've been similar to us in the fact that, you know, you've, you've really missed that natural striker all year and had to rely on goals from elsewhere and they haven't really come. Um, obviously Jack Clark I think had a he surprised me you see because when when Jack Clark was at Leeds he looked like one of those players who was going to go really to the top went to Spurs it never really worked out and then he's obviously found his feet at Sunderland and I thought he'd because he, he, he I, from my, from an outside perspective he got better in League One as it went on with Sunderland yeah, and he's yeah. now sort of carried that momentum on into the championship and obviously as the odd off game as those kind of players usually do you know he's a, he's a flair creative direct runner they're not going to play 100% every game, are they? And, but he, he's impressed me. Um, but I also like um, O'Neill. Um, I just think that every team needs one of those kind of players that just <laughs> ruffles feathers and annoys everybody because we had that in Connolly when we signed him in January. You know, he's one of those players that just annoys the opposition and, and gets under the skin, You know, makes the fans get on the back kind of thing. And since he's been injured, we've not got that kind of player and we've desperately missed one. So, you know, and O'Neill and seems to just run for days no matter where he plays. Uh, boundless energy, anti yeah, he really impresses me. But I feel like from an outside perspective, Sunderland are one of those sides that, I mean, before the season started, I put them for dark horses for the top six. And I do think that, you know, from from definitely from where I'm sat, it's been a season where you really could have done if things injury-wise were different or, you know, obviously Everton didn't pointlessly recall Ellie Sims for some bizarre reason to not play him. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's similar. I mean, with us, it's... We're, we're both similar in the, in the sense of injuries as well to key players. Um, really frustrating season. I think we can both probably, we'll both probably end the season saying the exact same things and be planning on doing the exact same thing next season. So, so hopefully we'll be chatting next year, um, chasing down the top six and and <laughs> talking about a more exciting end to the season than what we're currently having. Funny, uh, the more you were mentioning that, like 
I don't think anyone knows their team better than that person, hence why I do a preview show, um, hence the person that supports their team. But you kind of nailed everything that I think about Sunderland's season this season. They were we were, yeah. Ross, we were Ross Stewart away from having a quite a, a really exciting end of the season. And I think it wasn't for the fact we came up from League One and you know we've kind of maybe aligned those expectations with that that we probably would have felt like this was a bit of a missed opportunity, but uh, spilt milk and all that in there. But um, I, I kind of wanted to ask you about your first season when you were at Hull. Obviously, your first season you came up the year before us, as obviously we well remember. Yeah. Um, I think you finished thirteenth your first season. What have you made? I know you kind of touched on it, but what have you made of Sunderland's sort of return to the the season? There's been points when we've been fourth off top, and I've had fans on here saying not surprised at all. I've had other fans come on there and say they were really surprised, but they think we'd kind of like bottom out eventually. There's reasons maybe why we have not been in the top four, which we've touched on. But were you surprised by Sunderland's like really good start and perhaps the fact that I'm talking about a missed opportunity, or was that kind of what you would expect from Sunderland coming up? Um, I do think Sunderland were in a better position than we were when we came up. Obviously, we won the League One title, but we d- we didn't really have any investment in the summer following that because we had um, obviously that was still under the alarms and they they'd already reiterated leads, uh, years before that they weren't going to invest beyond what 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 the club would you know make whatever or something profit wise that year um, and we spent a little bit in the in the league one summer so and then we were bre- handed a um, transfer embargo by the EFL in the summer after we got promoted so we could only sign loans or free agents. So any hopes of like you know running that momentum from promotion into you know a back to back kind of thing was was quashed quite quickly because you know we were signing players that you know weren't replacing the starting eleven so you're not making improvements and you have to make improvements or you you at least have to have a side that's willing to you know, or capable of making the jump up and I think people you know it happens time and time again doesn't it where aside from League One carries that winning momentum into the championship and I think if any of the sides that came up the year you did um, would would have the capability to do that it definitely would have been Sunderland like everyone just looked at you know the likes of um, I'm trying to think so you look at Blackpool now as well obviously they're in their second year but they're struggling because they've not made you know they haven't capitalised I know they lost the manager and everything like that but so did Sunderland and you've kind of I think possibly got better since I would say yes. Alex. I don't know if Alex Neal would have done the same. Um, I know he's turned it around slightly now with Stoke, but you know, look where they are in the table. Um, but Sunderland, backed by that kind of fan base, you know, like we say, with players like Ross Stewart, Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, um, you've got players there that are that are capable of making that step up a level into the championship, and that that can really try and like we say because that. Like Sheffield United did, um, and 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 I think you know we did one point from League Two to the Championship. Those back-to-back promotions. Once the squad's used to winning, it doesn't matter what level you're at because you just kind of the the changing rooms sort of morale and cohesiveness. It just works into a point where, personally, that's why I put Sunderland on for dark horses for the top six because their squad seemed as though they'd be the most likely to sort of you know force their way into that top six. A question um, but no with with us it was different because our first year in the championship like we say we had, we had Grant McCann um, it was still under the alarms we, we'd not really made any improvements transfer wise and we had our strikers were Josh McGuinness Tom Eaves and uh, Tyler Smith so you know I think Hull City career wise in the championship they've probably not even got 10 goals between them 
Um, so we was always going to struggle in that sense. But, you know, like you say, you've got a Ross Stewart that would probably walk into a lower half Premier League side. Um, and when you've got, you know, assets like that, you, you've always got a chance, haven't you? Yeah. God, I miss Ross Stewart. I miss him so much. <laughs> um, it just makes me sad even thinking about him. Bless him. Um, random stat. Our last four clashes, if you take out a penalty shootout, which we all forget about because it was the first game after the pandemic, um, <laughs> have all ended in draws. So, you know where my prediction is going to go, but um, mm, <laughs> I mean, I got it right last week. You know what it is? It's funny because I've I went down to Burnley and I want to point this out because I always get my predictions wrong. And I've only ever seen nil nil draws at Burnley, so I laughingly laughingly that's not a word. I hilariously went ah nil nil. That'll be funny. And we got a nil nil, so yeah. maybe I'm on a roll. Um, through the last four, I'd like to think we can win. Um, I think if we're going to win any of the two games over the Easter period, which is yourselves and then West Brom away, it will be Hull at home. But I think it's going to be a draw. I think it'll be a 1-1. Yeah, I'm going to go... I was going to go 1-1, but considering you've done it, I'll go 0-0. I think it's just, you know, it's... For most of the the preview shows, I go one. I always say, you know, we've become a team that's hard to beat. We don't concede many and we don't score many. And then they're like, oh, well, you know, we're in decent form and we, we usually score three or four and then, you know, it ends up being 1-1 one, one or something. And it's just like, well, I did I did try to tell you. But our games, <laughs> they just tend to be, they tend to be action-filled, but not in terms of the score. Uh, I do think it'll be, I think with the Sunderland game, with us both relatively not having anything to play for, I think it'd be quite a surprisingly entertaining draw where both sides tend to have chances, but fluff them. No, you know, missing that striker kind of element game. Although I do think we might have Oscar back, um, so I'm hoping that he starts because the the front three we started with against Rotherham wouldn't have been wouldn't have scored if they were still playing now. Um, <laughs> but like we say, as fans, you want to be entertained, don't you? Now, if you know if you've got nothing to play for, take the shackles off and just try and prove what you can do. To me, like this should be a period where you experiment, you try different systems, you try different players. Um, try and figure out, you know, who's going to be in your plans for next season. They've got to be playing for places now, um, and you don't want to be watching in, uh, you know, draws, nil nils, and one ones. You want to be seeing four threes and <laughs> things like that. So, you know, they they might surprise us. It might be a bit of a goal fest, but um, with 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 both of our current struggles for goal scorers and and defensive records, I just think it's going to be a bit of a low scoring affair. And no striker derby. I've never said that before, but here you go. <laughs> no striker um, derby, yeah. Our um, injury list is worse than yours. No, oh, I mean, I was just, geez, <laughs> I, I was trying to count hours the other day and I think we'd get a pretty decent team out of ours. Um, yeah. But, Ant, before I let you go, uh, where can we find your award-winning podcast? Let's not forget yeah. this. Um, so we are on all your usual audio platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we are also on YouTube. We're actually doing a special series at the minute, um, Hair Game 2 Movement, um, mm-hmm. obviously about the defeating sexism in, in, in football and, and yep. women's experiences attending football, things like that. So um, one of the Hull City advocates, uh, Kirsty Lee Richardson, she's going to host it and she's going to get different uh, female guests on, um, the, the Hull City reps, I think, and obviously try and discuss about different people's experiences at the game so check that out on YouTube actually they're, they're out on audio too um, so you can find us on like I said all your audio platforms are on YouTube uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook if you want to follow us um, we do tend to do opposition stuff as well so it's worth following us just for them even if it, even if you unfollow us until the next game you might as well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can find us there 
I've never won an award. The football content awards will be be back up again after the summer. So just 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 cycle your name around, mate. Do I have to do I have to fill a form in? No, no, no. You're nominated. So if you ask oh. your listeners to nominate you, if you make it through to the final eight, you get to attend the evening. See, I was not. It sounded like effort to me until you said there was an evening. When they read out the uh, the winners for the best EFL and we got third, it was just like we kind of just looked at each other like. I don't know how that's happened, but you know we'll take it. So, you know, it's a kind of it's a kind of event that you know you've just got to rely on your listeners for. So if you if you're doing good content, they enjoy it. They'll they'll vote for you. I'm sure. Sounds like minimal effort on my side. I've got to be <laughs> honest with you. So it's uh it's up to the listeners. I'll let them do it. But um, and lovely having you, mate. Lovely chatting to you. Um, great to see you. Hope you're doing well. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season because as we've as we've so lovingly sold this podcast, the season is more or less over. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on. And like, yeah, I hope that, you know, there's not too many dead rubbers between now and the end of the game. Yeah, it's season. Fingers crossed, mate.